Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Gasoline and Caffeine. My name is Cameron. I'm your host, and thank you guys for listening. Uh, today, we're going to be talking about a little bit of a review of 2021 and mostly uh, anticipated cars and stuff for 2022. I know it's been a couple of weeks since my last episode. I apologize for that, but we're back. So today, we're going to talk about a few cars from 2021. We're going to go based on what Car and Driver said was their editor's choice, essentially for 2021 cars and then we're going to get into 2022 and what can we, we can expect uh for this year things to be announced uh cars that are going to be released things like that um surprise surprise it's mostly evs um there's a lot coming um with like the f-150 lightning um the mustang mach e i think is getting an update um there's a few more of course tesla things like that um, there's a lot of other cars going electric as well um, we'll talk about that uh, but let's get right into it. We're going to go with Car and Driver's Editor's Choice List for 2021. So we're going to start with trucks, SUVs, and vans. Um, subcompact SUV is going to be the Hyundai Kona. I've driven that car before. Uh, did not like it. Um, it's small. It didn't have a lot of power. Its lane assist was kind of iffy. Uh, I, didn't, I just did not like it. And it's expensive for what it is. Um, it is a very expensive car. Even the base model is fairly expensive. I think the base 2021 starts at just over 20000 for a very small car, and you don't get a whole lot for it. And I think that's actually gone down because I think the 2022 starts at almost $23,000. Uh, so that is not, uh, I don't know, not favorable for that small of a car. And like I said, I drove it. I did not like it. Um, for the subcompact uh, class, there's the uh, another one is the Kia Soul is up there. I haven't driven one of those, although I do kind of like the way they look. They look pretty cool, um, according to Car and Driver. Their verdict is the Soul provides funky style and practical space at an affordable price. The Soul starts, the 2021 starts at uh, 18.7. Uh, the 2022 starts at 20.36. And there's a slight update as far as um, cosmetics. Nothing crazy, though. Um, also in the subcompact SUV range, the Mazda CX-30. Um, that one, based on car and driver, is if you're shopping for a small SUV, the Mazda CX-30 should be at the top of your consideration list. This one for 2021, or 2022, sorry, starts at 23000 The 2021 is just a little bit lower than that. Um, it's only a few hundred dollars uh, lower for the 2021 model. It did start in 2020, I believe, uh, but I do not know the starting price for those because obviously they don't make them anymore. Uh, but it's a decent looking car. I believe my, I think my wife was looking at different SUVs and that's one of them she was looking at. In the subcompact luxury SUV, we've got a couple. Uh, there is the BMW X1, X2, as well as the Volvo XC40. Um, obviously those are much more expensive than the previous ones we just talked about. Um, the X1 starts at about 36000 The X2 starts at about 38000 And the XC40 starts at about $35,000. Um, according to Car and Driver, the X1, uh, the X1's eager driving dynamics and cargo-friendly cabin will please enthusiasts and pragmatists alike. The X2 costs more than the X1 and offers less interior space, but the X2 shines a little brighter on a twisty road. So the handling... Uh, a little bit better on the X2 than the X1. And if you look at it, you can tell that it's, it's a little bit wider and lower to the ground, so that makes sense as to why it handles better. Um, when it comes to the XC40, current driver's verdict is, even though it sits at the small end of the Volvo lineup, the XC40 offers much of what makes the brand's larger SUVs so desirable. 
Um, and then we go into just regular SUVs, but these are compact SUVs, uh, not subcompact. There is the Ford Bronco that got released this year. Uh, the CRV, the CX-5, the Toyota RAV4, uh, the RAV4 Hybrid, and then the Tiguan. Um, out of those, I mean, we know Toyota's run forever. RAV4 is probably a solid choice, but I do like the way the Tiguan looks, although it's quite a bit bigger than the RAV4 from just from looking at it. Um, based on car and driver, CRV. Uh, really good fuel efficiency, versatility. CX-5. Uh, the CX-5 rises above all other compact crossovers thanks to its many transcendent traits. Then there's the RAV4. Give it a pretty good review. There's a hybrid, which is pretty much the same thing. Um, it's just a hybrid version of the RAV4, um, which I think it starts at a bit more. It starts at 30000 for the hybrid. If you just want the standard RAV4, it starts at about twenty-eight thousand. So you can save two grand going with the hybrid, but obviously uh, the fuel efficiency is probably going to be quite a bit better with the hybrid. Obviously, um, and then the GT1, the T1 um, is not the GTI of compact crossovers, but the T1 has enough VW traits to make it one of our favorites, and it is a good-looking car. Um, I do like it. It starts at twenty-six thousand for forty for the twenty twenty-one. Uh, this year's model, though, starts at $27,190, so it's getting a $500, $600 bump in price. And then kind of out the outlayers of uh, SUVs is the compact luxury SUVs. There's the Alfa Romeo Stelvio Quadrifoglio. Um, that one's, uh, what does this one start at? This one starts at almost $90,000. It is a very good-looking car. Um, but I have not heard very good things in terms of like maintenance and reliability when it comes to Alfa Romeo in America anyway. Um, it is a good handling car. I know it's a good driving experience. I've heard everyone that's ever driven one talk about how fun it is to drive, but it is very expensive. Obviously it starts at $86,000. Um, you can get a 2021 starting at 82, 82, eight roughly. Um, they started making those, I believe, in 2019. Yes, they did. Um, it's a good-looking car. It's just, man, it's expensive. Finding dealers and stuff is also hard, too. Um, in that compact luxury SUV class, there's the X3, the Mercedes-AMG GLC class, uh, the Porsche Macan, the Porsche Macan Turbo, which is probably not a bad choice. Uh, the Porsche Macan Turbo started about 85000 um, if you were going to choose between the Porsche and the Alfa Romeo, I'd probably go with the Porsche. Um, and the last one in that lineup is the Volvo XC60. Um, and the mid-size SUVs, the Bronco has the top spot. This is just the traditional Bronco. I know I said Bronco earlier in the compact SUV. That is the Bronco Sport. It is slightly different than the standard Bronco. Um, also in that mid-size SUV is the Honda Passport. Uh, the Hyundai Palisade, I have, uh, I have not driven, but I have sat in one of those at a Hyundai dealership when I was getting my Elantra earlier this, earlier last year, I guess just to say. It's a very, very nice car. A lot of really good tech. The screens and the dash are awesome. Um, for what it is, it is fairly cheap. It start, the 2022 starts at 34.3 and the 2021 starts at 33.8. 
Um, but it's, in my opinion, compared to the rest of those cars in the midsize SUV, it's worth it. I mean, the Hyundai, the Honda is probably pretty good too, uh, but it starts at a little bit more. It starts at 39000 for the same year. Um, also in that class, uh, according to Car and Driver, the Santa Fe, I've not driven that, the Kia Sorento, the Kia Telluride, um, the Mazda CX-9, those are all within that class. The Tellurides do look very good. Very good looking cars, and they're fairly cheap for what they are. They start the 2021 starts at 33,000, or sorry, 31,000. The 2022 starts at 34,000. Um, and then there's the Mazda CX 9, which is a step below that one we talked about earlier, which is the CX 30, or sorry, step above, which starts at uh, which is the CX 30. Uh, then we rent, go into the midsize luxury SUVs, starting, of course, with a BMW. X5, the Genesis GV80. I'm starting to see a lot more Genesis uh, vehicles on the road, which is like a luxury brand of Hyundai, in case you didn't know. It's like um, Acura to Honda and then uh, Lexus to Toyota. Then it goes to the Porsche Cayenne, Volvo XC90. Those are all in Car and Driver's midsize luxury SUV list. Then we go straight up to... uh, just straight up SUVs, uh, the Suburban, no surprise there, the Tahoe, uh, then it goes to the Yukon and the X7. Those are all on their, uh, editor's choice list for a large, uh, for large luxury SUVs or large SUVs. Sorry. The X7 is a large luxury SUV. Uh, then we go to pickups. It starts with the Honda Ridgeline, which most truck guys are going to automatically just, um, dismiss that choice uh the jeep gladiator which i think if that's the one i remember it's fairly i've seen them on the road they are not good looking trucks it's a uh, uh, it looks like a wrangler with a bed which is the long bed and i don't know the design choices are a little weird um i don't personally don't like them i don't really like the way they look but i'm sure somebody will uh it's just not for me uh then the f-150 no surprise there the truck's on everybody's uh, editor's choice list every year. Uh, the Ram 1500. Then there's the Ram 1500 TRX, which is just like a uh, perform- off-road performance version of the 1500. Um, I believe it has, yes, 702 horsepower Hellcat-powered Ram 1500 TRX. So it's got that big old V8 in it. Um, then we go to the heavy duties. Top of the list, the Ram 25 and 3500. Uh, which is the only one on their editor's list when it comes to heavy-duty trucks. No, nothing else. No Chevys, no Fords, no nothing. Just a Dodge. Um, and then we get into, like, vans, which most people don't really care about. But it starts with the Mercedes Metris, the Pacifica, the Honda Odyssey, Honda Odyssey for Transit. Um, that's what their editor's choice is. Um, and then we get into electric SUVs. Um, at the top... The Mach E and the Kona Electric. Uh, the Mach E does not surprise me. That's the top of their list. It's one of the only electric SUVs available, aside from Tesla, I believe. Um, with more coming this year, I'm sure. The Kona Electric, like you said, the Kona earlier. Uh, this is the electric version of it, though. It looks slightly different. It does not have a grill. Obviously, it doesn't need a grill for a radiator or anything. Um, so it does look slightly different on the front. Uh, there. So this is their review of the Mach E. 
Highs, attention-grabbing design, handsome and hushed cabin, instantaneous acceleration. Lows, not particularly engaging to drive. Most range settings are modest. Mustang purists will miss the V8 traits. Their verdict, while it doesn't drive or sound like Ford's pony car, the Mustang Mach-E is an accessible and stylish EV. I have seen a few of them on the road um, when they announced them, when they showed all the like marketing pictures and stuff. It looked a lot cooler in those and those pictures and, and all those announcements and stuff. And I saw them on the road and it just, I don't know, it didn't strike me as, as impressive as it did when I saw the first pictures and videos of it. I don't know why. Um, personally, I don't like that they're using the Mustang brand on an SUV. Uh, the Mustang is a two-door sports car. That's what it always has been since it was they released it in the 60s. Um, and then just slap it on an electric SUV. I don't know. It just seems like it's not quite right. Maybe make an electric version of the original of the Mustang, a two door car. Not, but not. Don't put it on a four door SUV. I just don't think that that was right. But I don't run a multi billion dollar global automotive company like Ford. So what do I know? The other one is the Kona Electric. Uh, highs, playful handling, long range driving, fantastic standard warranty, lows, small back seat, front wheel drive only. Uh, cold temperatures will sap battery capacity, which is true with most electric cars. If you do live in colder, colder climates, the batteries aren't going to be as uh, efficient. Uh, the verdict, the Kona Electric offers a standard model's cool looks and sprightly personality in a compelling all-electric version for those who'd rather never visit a gas station. Um, and then it goes into... These are like coupes, convertibles, hatchbacks, sedans, wagons. We'll just go through them real quick. Um, subcompact cars... The Accent, the Rio, Compact Cars, the Civic, the Elantra. Hey, I got one of those. Uh, Mazda 3, a Golf, Sport Compact, the Civic Type R, which I do like. Uh, Veloster N, I also like. Uh, Golf GTI, I also like. Uh, the Jetta GLI, which I don't know that I've seen. Or, I've never driven one of those, but I don't think I've ever seen one either. Um, then Luxury Sport Compact Car is the M2 and the AMG A-Class. Then it goes to Entry Luxury Compact, which is the Mercedes-Benz A-Class. Um, CLA class those are the only two in that category then family sedans it goes to the Honda Accords which I do like the way those look those were a car that I was looking at before I got the Elantra um, but most of them were just so far to my price range just because they hold their value very well and they're worth the price um, so it just wasn't a car I ended up going with um, second when it comes to family sedan is the Sonata then it goes to the K5 that is also a car I was looking at um, I think when I was looking for them though there was nobody around me that had any K5s in stock and of course a few months after I get the Elantra now there's plenty of K5s in stock uh, then it goes to the Mazda 6 um, and then it goes to inter, uh, entry luxury cars so Audi A5 Sportback very good looking car BMW 3 Series Genesis G70 I've been seeing a lot of those uh, Mercedes-Benz C-Class. Then we get into sports sedans. So Alfa Romeo, again, uh, Quadrifoglio. I don't know how to say the name. Julia, I believe, Quadrifoglio. Um, a lot of good reviews for that car. It looks good. But again, they're expensive and maintenance can be a pain in the ass. They start at $80,000 for one of those cars. I'm sure they're worth it, um, but it is not a price I will be paying anytime soon for a car, even if I could afford it. Um, then it goes to the M3 and the M4, the M4 being a fairly new model. I think that's only maybe a couple years old. It's a good looking car. Um, it's just kind of a weird f filler, I guess. I don't know. It's not a bad looking car. Um, the C43, the C63. Then we get into premium 
quote unquote sports sedans, the M5, the E60, the AMG E63, Audi A6, A7, Genesis G80. I saw one of those for the first time the other day. It actually looks pretty good on the road. Um, it almost looks like a Cadillac. That grill, to me, that grill is almost exactly ripped off from some larger Cadillac SU or uh, uh, coupe. Then the AMG E53, the E Class, uh, the Audi A8. G90, Mercedes-Benz uh, S-Class. Then it goes into station wagons. The Subaru Outback, the Audi A6 All-Road. That is a good-looking car. AMG E63 Wagon. That's also a good-looking car. Um, E-Class wagons. The Volvo V60 and V60 Cross Country. Those I've seen. Those have been around for a while. Those are always on the top of somebody's list. V90, the V90 Cross Country. Then we're getting into uh, electric cars. And obviously, top of the list, Tesla Model 3. Luxury electric car, Porsche Taycan, or Taycan, Taycan, I don't know how to say that. Um, very fast car. Uh, it's very, it's a decent looking car, but of course, you know, it's, it's Porsche. They don't worry about looks as much as they worry about uh, performance and driving experience. Then it goes to the Taycan Cross Turismo. Uh, starts at over $90,000. It's a very expensive car, but it is a good looking car. I do like the way that car looks. I don't really know why. It's just a good-looking car. Luxury electric, Tesla Model S um, at the bottom of the electric car list. Then it goes into muscle cars. Here we go. So the top three, according to Car and Driver, starts with the Camaro ZL1. 650 horsepower. Um, they're highs. Ultimate Camaro performance, unbeatable value. Non-1LE models have surprisingly good ride quality. Lowe's, outward visibility is compromised. Unimpressive interior. 1LE package makes it overly stiff, which there's a reason for that. The 1LE package is a performance package. You want stiffer suspension if you're going to be taking it to a track. So no, it's not going to be comfortable on the road. That's not what it was designed for. If you buy that, that's something you should probably know ahead of time if that's the, the package you're looking for. Verdict, the 650 horsepower Camaro ZL1 isn't for the faint of heart, but for anyone whose heart is at the racetrack. Then we go to the Mustang. Pros, all models are fun to drive. Cabin is roomier than the Camaro's. Great performance options, uh, which I have heard that the Camaro is hard to see out of. I don't, I haven't been in any one of the new ones. I think I sat in one of the first ones that they refreshed, like in the early, or late 2000s maybe. And it wasn't that bad, but I've heard the new ones are hard to see out of. The Mustangs, the pros, all models are fun to drive. Oh, like I said, uh, cabin is roomier, great performance. Lowe's, cabin has some subpar trim pieces. Available Recaro seats are overly aggressive. Standard four-cylinder is too subdued. Uh, the verdict, the Mustang offers a compelling mix of image style, performance, and driver satisfaction. Next in muscle car is the GT500, the Shelby GT500. Highs, enthralling V8 powertrain, enjoyable to drive every day. Cannot run exotics at the racetrack. Lows. Speeding tickets likely to increase. A rolling middle finger to fuel economy ratings. Top track package is super expensive. Verdict. The Shelby GT500 is a magnific magnificent muscle car and possibly a more impressive sports car. Uh, it's a good looking car. It sounds good too. Um, when it comes to sports cars, there are five on the list. Starts with, uh, no surprise to most people, the new Corvette. The, the mid-engine flat plane Corvette. Um... That's at the top of the list, of course. I would just, um, I don't know, I'm not surprised. 
their verdict by moving the engine behind the seats chevrolet has turned the corvette into a bargain priced ferrari complete with supercar performance uh, next on the list was the mx5 miata then it's the porsche 718 boxster 718 cayman which the really only difference between the two is the boxster is convertible the cayman is not that's really the only difference um Personally, I've never been a fan of convertibles of any sort, so I would go with the Cayman over the Boxster, but some people, you know, feel differently. And the Cayman's probably going to handle better. And at the bottom of that list is the new Toyota Supra. Um, their review is high, smooth, and powerful inline six, a blaster drive, nicely finished cabin, lows, manual transmission not available, difficult ingress and egress, uh, big blind spots. Verdict, the revived version of the Japanese automotive legend has BMW bones, but they're damn good. And I've heard a lot of people complain that it's just a BMW. Um, I mean, whatever. It's a Supra. It's, they're calling it a Supra. You know, people like it. People like it. If they don't, they don't. It doesn't really matter. Then we're going to go into premium sports cars. Porsche 911, 911 Turbo, Turbo S. No surprise there. And that's the bottom of their list for uh, Car and Driver's Editor's Choice for 2021. So now... We're going to go into 2022. We're going to start with vehicles announced at CES 2022, which I believe might still be going on. I, I don't know the dates exactly. I completely forgot about it, actually. Um, normally, I would keep up with CES news just because of all the electronics and stuff that are going on there, but I just forgot. So we're going to start with um, some of the vehicles uh, mentioned or released, I guess I should say, uh, at CES 2021. One of them, the BMW ix m60 it's an all-electric suv it debuted back in september uh but it's still not available in the u.s yet um but they still uh released or not released but announced it at ces um it's an all-electric m badge performance car like i said the ix m60 um, 610 horsepower, 811 pound-feet of torque. It will, it says, BMW says, will go from 0 to 60 in 3.6 seconds. Uh, it can charge to 80% uh, in about 35 minutes. Deliveries are expected to begin June, and it starts at $106,000. Wow. The next one on the list is the Chrysler Airflow. The Chrysler Airflow reaches way back to 1934 to reference a classic name, but the design is decidedly 21st century. By 2025, it will be the Chrysler's brand's first fully electric vehicle. Um, there's I can only see one photo of it in this story. I might have to find some more. It's I mean, it looks like an electric vehicle. Um, it's got large. It's probably 20, 18, 20 inch rims, something like that. It's sleek. Obviously, it doesn't have a grill. Um, the only picture I can see is just somebody in what looks like a garage plugging it in. That's really it. It's called the Vision. Airflow. Uh, it's a static styling mock-up meant to showcase an open, airy interior design. The mystery, the mystery concept appeared again in 2021 in a pair of parent automaker Stellantis Media Days, but almost nothing was said about the model at the time. Wednesday, they finally took the wraps off the long-awaited crossover and talked extensively about the brand's future. Uh, man, that's a f the Airflow isn't due until 2025, but heralds a new generation of all-electric Chryslers. Okay, so there, this must be the start of an all-electric uh, rebranding for Chrysler. 
doesn't say anything about price or anything like that. Hmm. Then we go to Chevy. This is a good looking car to me, the Chevy Equinox EV. This concept, uh, I don't know that this is, this, look, doesn't, this looks like a rendering. This doesn't look like a true car. It looks good though. I do like it. Um, it's a red, it's a redesigned Equinox. Most people know what the Equinox looks like, uh, but it's redesigned. It's much sleeker, much more aggressive looking. This one's red with uh, some black trim and carbon fiber uh, trim around the grill with an RS logo on the front. It looks good. And it's supposed to start around $30,000. Equinox was the third best-selling SUV in America in 2020. Um, It doesn't say. It says this electric Equinox will start around $30,000, about $3,000 more than today's base model, with deliveries expected to begin fall of 2023. Uh, inside, forward passengers are treated to a wall of screens that would look at home in a Lexus or an Audi. Hmm. They only have one picture from the exterior, so I can't see that. Then uh, some people may have noticed uh, uh, Chevy announced it a few weeks ago, maybe. Maybe it wasn't that long ago. Um, the Silverado EV. So the Silverado, they're going to uh, release an all-electric version of the Silverado Um the F-150 Lightning, obviously, was the first to kind of start that. And so now uh, Chevy is going to start that as well. Um, instead of reusing the architecture of the traditional body-on-frame trucks, it's based on skateboard platform unibody architecture shared with GMC's Hummer EV pickup. Like the Hummer, it also features an integrated bed and a relatively low payload capacity, but a very SUV-like layout reminiscent of the long-departed Chevy Avalanche, which was not a great truck. Um, there isn't a whole lot of information about that. Um, they do have a much more deeper dive into it in another, uh, story, but we're not going to go too much into that. Like I said, this is more of a review. Uh, next is the Mercedes-Benz Vision, Mercedes-Benz Vision EQXX, which is a car. It's a kind of a funky looking car. Um, at first glance, looks like a high performance machine. Indeed, it has a drag coefficient of just 0.17 which compared to Le Mans race cars, those are about 0.20. Someone smarter than me probably knows what that means. Um, they're maximizing range rather than blasting around the Nürburgring. The automaker claims that the car's lightweight and hyper-efficient systems are capable of delivering an astonishing claim 621 miles of range from a sub-100 kilowatt battery pack or kilowatt-hour battery pack. Um, there's one picture of it that I can see from the back. It's got kind of a funky rear end. I can't really see the front of it. Uh, here's the story. So it looks nothing like a Mercedes. Uh, the front end doesn't look anything like a Mercedes at all. I don't need that. Doesn't look like anything I've ever seen before. I was going to say Renault maybe, but even then, that doesn't quite match up. It's got kind of a long boat tail rear end design. It's just a concept. Also, you know, this obviously could change. Um, it's not terrible looking. It's just kind of funky. It's got solar cells on the roof. The interior concept is wild looking. There's all kinds of, the whole dash is filled with screens. Um, the rear seats, they're two bucket seats. It's not a bench seat. It's got cup holders that go down the middle. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, battery pack is half the size of the one. The EQXX battery pack is half the size of the one in the EQS, 30% lighter, and boasts a 20% boost in cell energy density. It's about the size of a C-Class or a Tesla 3. 
uh, many elements of the EQXX will make it to production, perhaps as early as 2024. So we'll see. Um, this other one, which is kind of a new thing, I guess, from Sony. They're going to start making cars, apparently. It's called the Sony Vision S SUV. It looks uh, almost exactly like a Tesla. It's very, very similar to a Tesla. What I think the Model X, whatever the SUV is. Um, I first showed it in 2020, I believe. Uh, their Vision S sedan. This is a Vision S SUV. Um, I, yeah, it's, it's kind of strange. Like I said, it looks almost exactly like a Tesla shape and everything. Um, Sony has no direct car making experience and while it announced a partnership with supplier Magnus Steyer to help make their earlier vision S sedan roadworthy, it's unclear who might help build these vehicles, which is the SUV. Um, four to seven people, uh, will be powered by a pair of 268 horsepower electric motors, nothing on range price or sale dates at the moment. Yeah, that's kind of strange. Next is the Cadillac Innerspace. This almost looks like the McLaren um, Speedster, I think. With a real long tail. It's a two-door sports car, real long tail. Um, it looks almost exactly like that. It's just a strange setup from like the roof comes up for some reason. I'm not real sure why. There's regular doors on it. I don't really know what the the roof system is. Um, the inner space is a vision of the self-driving future, a pampering whisper quiet lounge space with no traditional controls. Ew. Huh. Unlike the previous spaces, the inner space's exterior makes cue, takes cues from Cadillac's Coupes of Yore from the 1967 El Dorado to the 2013 El Mirage concept and remix, remixes them into a futurized into a futuristic lozenge shape reminiscent of Audi's sky, sky sphere concept. Flip open top. Yeah. It says nothing about price, release date, nothing like that. That's just, just strictly a concept at this moment. Another BMW, uh, the iX Flow. Um, it doesn't say... It's fantasy possible. Oh, okay. And the opening sequence of Cannonball Run 2 that long ago Burt Reynolds chase extravaganza a pair of lamborghini driver driving racers uh out with the cops by changing their kuntox white paint to red with a trick and unexplained chemical process now bmw has made this fantasy possible with e-ink the technology used to make text appear on e-readers like amazon's kindle um, although the choices of colors are limited to white or gray and the ix suv is not exactly a lamborghini okay uh the surface is coated in millions of microcapsules of e-ink and then, depending on your preference, you can shift it between white and black, and I'm guessing anything in between. But it does mean the palette is limited. Um, don't expect to take it home anytime soon. BMW says the SUV is purely a design experiment. Oh. It would be cool to be able to change your paint on the fly. Like, that'd be really cool if you had more choices of colors, anyway. Um, if it's just white and black, or between white and black, it's like, eh. I guess it depends on how you feel that day. Uh, the Blazer, which is a they decided to bring back two, three years ago, something like that. Um, very good looking car. They're bringing out a uh, an EV version of the Blazer. Um, the Equinox is started to slated to start at thirty thousand, and the current Blazer starts at nearly thirty five. Um, the EV uh, price is going to be probably between thirty six and thirty nine thousand. 
with more details uh, available later. So they don't have all of it figured out just yet. So it just looks like it's going to be an electric version of the Blazer. It doesn't look like they're going to do any refreshes as far as cosmetics or anything go. Um, but expected to be a few thousand dollars more expensive than the uh, current Blazer. Then we go to the last one, which is, I'm not even sure who this is. It's a VinFast VF5, VF6, VF7. They debuted at November's Los Angeles Auto Show. Oh, it's a Vietnamese automaker. Uh, the parent company is Vin Group. Uh, they were founded in 93. Uh, but in 2022, it plans to go fully electric, start selling cars in the U.S., and build a battery factory here in the U.S., uh, because they have no legacy of internal combustion cars, the first goal is a little easier to meet than it would be for a more established company. Uh, VF8 and the VF9, which is something they uh, debuted in Los Angeles Auto Show, both start at 41000 and 56000 respectively. Roughly the size of a Santa Fe and a Palisade, the VF8 is claimed to have 300 miles of range, and the VF9, 420. Um, at CES, at CES the, the CEO, Lee Thai Three. I am not saying that right. I know that. Took the wraps off of three smaller machines, the subcompact VF5, the smaller VF6, and the compact VF7. Comparable, respectively, in size to a Venue, a Hyundai Venue, Kia Seltos, and a Honda CRV. Power range and pricing were not announced. These EVs are all stylish machines, and they'll release more details as they become available. Um, so some interesting releases out of CES. I'm sure there's more stuff still coming, more details. There's more stories and stuff that you guys will be able to find. Um, if you guys are interested in more of these, I, I will link these stories in uh, the show notes uh, for this episode so you guys can look at it yourself. And then if you guys want to delve deeper, you can. Um, now we're going to get into um, cars worth waiting for uh, for the next couple of years between 2022 and 2025. Uh, so nothing especially... Uh, noteworthy for 2022 at the moment. I'm sure as the list, as I go down the list, I'll find something. But it starts off with, and I'm sure a lot of JDM or uh, tuner car fanboys will be very excited about this. The Integra comes back in 2023. Um, four door hatchback model that should slot in below the TLX sedan um, in terms of size and price. I'm um, expecting to share its platform with the 11th generation Civic and hope that means the rumored type S model will use the Civic Type R's 300 horsepower inline four. Um, it's set to go on sale later in 2022 as a 2023 model. Uh, Alpha male Tonale, Tonal, Tonal, T-O-N-A-L-E. I'm not saying that right. Uh, 2023, uh, it's going to be a, uh, Alpha male's first hybrid model should arrive in late 2022, starting around $35,000. Um, it's a luxury subcompact crossover. Um, those of you that are doing much better in life than the rest of us uh, can consider this one. Uh, in 2024, the Austin Martin Vanquish, which is going to be a, a refresh pretty much of the original Vanquish. Uh, this looks more like a supercar than it does a, a high-end sports car. Um, it will be a mid-engine supercar targeting the defining dream machines of the moment. Cars such as the F8 Tributo, Huracan, and the 720S and 765LT. Uh, previewed by a constant car in the 2019 Geneva Auto Show, the Vanquish should start just north of $300,000 when it arrives next year. This one is a BMW i8 M. 
Um, you guys have seen, most people have seen the i8, very interesting looking cars, plug-in hybrid. Um, this is going to be an i8M, um, previewed in 2019. It doesn't take any, it doesn't say get to be named replacement. replacement. Oh, so it doesn't have an official name. They're just calling it the i8M. Uh, this one's going to have more emphasis on performance than the predecessor did. They could also set the Beamer world on fire with its retro M1-inspired style. It does kind of look like the old M1, just like an updated version of it. Uh, but that won't be until 2024. Next is the BMW XM, which will sit above the X7 in their SUV lineup. It'll be a plug-in hybrid with about 750 horsepower. Not much uh, is likely to change for production. Uh, some of the stranger interior de uh, materials may disappear. Doesn't say, it just says 2023, so my guess is later this year, maybe. Uh, the 2025 Cadillac, oi, Celestique, Celestic, C-E-L-E-S-T-I-Q. Uh, Cadillac's new EV lineup will start with the 2023 Lyric SUV and will continue with the flagship sedan called the Celestic, Celestique to arrive in 2025. So far, all we know is that it will have an all-wheel drive electric drivetrain and boasted driving range of about 300 miles. Uh, most likely, it's going to be upwards of six figures and have the technology and luxury to match. The 2023 Z06, which I believe has already been announced and for the most part finalized, it's just not on sale yet. Very good looking car. Um, it's just a refresh of the C8 um, with a little bit different uh, styling. It's got a different wing on the back, which I believe is like two pieces instead of just one piece that goes all the way across. Um, it will go sales. It will go on sale summer of 2022 as a 2023 model, starting at about $85,000. It will use a naturally aspirated dual over dual overhead cam, 32 valve, five and a half liter V8 with the flat plane crank. Uh, it revs to around 8,600 RPM, spits out 670 horsepower. And they sound good. We've talked about that in a previous podcast. It's a very good sounding car. It's a good looking car too. Personally, I'm more of a fan of the front engine ones just because those were the only Corvettes I knew growing up as I was getting into cars and everything. But I understand why this exists. Um, I'm sure it's an amazing car to drive too with the power and then just redistributing the weight of a classic Corvette, but has still having that same power. I'm sure it's a, a blast to drive. Uh, this is interesting. I saw this for the first time on Instagram. I think the other day, um, Ferrari is going to get into the SUV market. Um, as you guys know, or most of you guys know that Lamborghini got into that market with the, with the uh, Lamborghini Urus. So now Ferrari has decided to follow suit with the 2023 Ferrari Pro Sangue, man, there's too many foreign words in today's episode. I don't know how to say that. P-U-R-O-S-A-N-G-U-E-S-U-V. Um, the creation is being referred to by the Puro Sangue name, which is Italian for thoroughbred. It will go up against the likes of the Bentley Bentayga, Lamborghini Urus, Rolls-Royce Cullinan, if not in pure performance, at least in price. It's a good-looking car, too. I mean, it's Ferrari. How often have they made not-good-looking cars? The Bronco um, that got released, I believe, last year. They are now making a Raptor variant of it, among all the dozens of other variants that they have. It's supposed to come out, I believe, later this year, possibly early next year. The Raptor will use a similar powertrain as the Raptor pickup. 
twin turbo, three and a half liter V6, 450 horsepower, 510 pound feet of torque. Um, it's likely only to be available in a four door configuration with a hard top, although more details should be released uh, fairly soon. And it just looks just like the Bronco, just more aggressive. Uh, it looks pretty good. Um, the 2023 Ford Fusion Active. It is not uh, a Ford Fusion as you know it. This is an SUV, or I guess a crossover. Um, maybe more of a station wagon, I guess. I don't know. This does not look like a, a Ford Fusion at all. Uh, I don't even, I can't even explain what this looks like. It doesn't look like anything I've seen before. I didn't know they were going to do this. Um, they killed off the Fusion sedan. A lifted version of that stigmatized yet highly practical type vehicle be will soon be as close as shoppers will come to finding a new family car in a blue oval showroom. Enter the Ford Fusion Active, which we've seen spy photos and leaked images so far. Okay, so this is purely a concept at this point, but that is not a car like the Ford Fusion has been in the past. That is an SUV. Um, Ford Ranger is going to get a refresh for 2023. Um, the next gen, it's going to look similar. Uh, new designs inside and out, though. Um, same, probably more than likely, to a 2.3 liter inline four uh, turbo. Um, they're going to introduce a large portrait style touchscreen. Expect to see the US spec truck to arrive sometime uh, this year as a 2023 model. Um, the Hummer EV. Uh, 2022 to 2024 GMC Hummer EV. Um, they've, like I said, they got released and, you know, everybody knew what a Hummer was and now it's just purely electric. The picture they have here, I'm not kidding, is the closest thing to a warthog from Halo that I've seen of any actual car. It wouldn't take much to make this look like a warthog. Um, it doesn't say... Yeah, this is probably just going to be exactly what we've been expecting. Um, thousand horsepower, zero to sixty in three seconds. Uh, the first models were delivered to customers in late 2021 in the loaded first edition form, with less expensive models and an SUV version set to follow this year and in the next couple of years. But I'm not kidding. <laughs> that looks like a warthog. I'll post the link to this story too. Uh, this uh, series of stories, I guess I should say, so you guys can see that. The 2022 Honda Civic Type R. Um, this is a car that I'm excited to see. I like the way that it was designed previously, but it did look a bit over-designed. It was something that just it had a lot of angles. It's like someone started designing it and just didn't know when to stop. Um, I believe Jeremy Clarkson said the same thing on uh, Top Gear or Grand Tour. When he was looking at it, he said it's a very great car to drive, but man, the design was just like, it was just too much. It was like someone just didn't know when to stop designing it. Uh, the 2022 looks a bit more mild. Um, they they reined that part of it in. It still, still does look good, though. It still looks like a Type R. Um, the only photo they have is the camouflage prototype. Uh, so it's not, you can't really see a lot of the details, but you can see enough, enough to know. Um, we'll still have a turbo two, a two liter four cylinder. Six-speed manual. Uh, Honda didn't rule out quick-shifting dual clutch, so that's um, you know that's a maybe. And then we've heard rumors about a hybrid all-wheel drive powertrain, but we think it's unlikely, at least at launch, which should be sometime this year. This is via car and driver again. 
Uh, this is a Honda Prologue. Um, it's just an electric SUV from Honda. Very plain looking. Um, it looks like it's probably going to... I don't know what Honda's top of the line SUV is. I can't, yeah, I can't remember, but it's, yeah. Just a electric SUV. 2024 is what it said. Uh, here's what I'm interested in. The 2023 Honda RM20N. So this is similar to a uh, Veloster. At least that's what it looks like. Um, but this is a mid-engine car. Um, okay, so I'll read it directly from Car and Driver. And like I said, I'll post uh, a link to the story so you guys can look at it too. Um, it says 2023 Honda RM20N. Of all the newcomers to the mid-engine segment, no vehicle highlights the current sports car zeitgeist quite like the mid-engine Hyundai, which could be called the RM20N. When it arrives in two or three years, expect the Hyundai to bring mid-engine dynamics to a new level of affordability. As we understand it, the decision makers in South Korea are still weighing whether the car should be a $40,000 Hyundai or a $70,000 Genesis. In our minds, there's no question. It's too soon for Genesis to challenge Corvettes and Porsches, but a proper sports car could validate both in and Hyundai. This car looks good. This is probably just a render. But it looks it almost looks like a rally cross car. And they're saying it's going to be mid-engine. Um it oh it debuted the RM19 concept debuted in the 2019 LA Auto Show. Um, it looks like it's going to be a turbo two liter four cylinder, just under 400 horsepower, six speed manual transmission, uh, rear wheel drive. Um, it's more likely that the mid-engine Hyundai will have about 325, 350 horsepower and will route it through an eight speed dual clutch. Hmm. That car looks cool, man. I hope that comes to life because that'd be really awesome to see that. It looks like a good looking car. That'd be really nice. All right, next. Land Rover Defender 80. Uh, 2023. Um, it's They'd recently revived the Defender brand. If it reaches the U.S. market, it can provide a more affordable entry point to the off-road-oriented Defender range. Hmm. Um, so that's just speculation at this point. It just It's a Land Rover. Um, so we'll see if that ever happens. Mazda 6 uh, for 2023, it's a little bit of a revamp uh, to the 2023 model. Um, it looks really good. Um, this is, I believe, their full-size sedan. Oh, mid-size sedan, okay. Mazda plans to adopt the blueprint of a full luxury model and hang on, hang a lower price on it. The next generation Mazda 6, which should be on sale by the end of 2022, is set to get a full Bavarian transition, uh, a full Bavarian transitioning to a longitudinal engine platform with a rear-wheel drive and inline 6. That'd be pretty cool. I did look at some Mazdas when I was looking at my Elantra, but there just wasn't a whole lot around here. Um, and I don't, I don't know that there's a Mazda dealership near me, now that I think about it. Um, the 2023 Nissan Z, I think we talked about this in a previous podcast. It's a refresh of the 300 series of Nissans. Uh, the previous being the 370Z. Um... Nissan is finally giving the Z car the attention it deserves by introducing a successor to the ancient 370Z. The new Z, codenamed Z35, isn't a ground-up rethink. It continues on the latest version of Nissan's FM platform and shares components with the Infiniti Q60 Coupe. 
a twin turbo 3 liter v6 400 horsepower six-speed manual transmission will be standard uh will reach production soon going on sale sometime this year ram dakota um it's a mid-size truck that they used to make actually uh it is making a comeback it falls under the ram brand name instead of dodge uh, still dodge obviously it's the same thing Costs less than the similarly sized Gladiator that's, that Stellantis sells through the Jeep brand. Unsurprisingly, the Ram Dakota will share its underpinnings with the Jeep and likely be built in the same Toledo, Ohio facility. So that'd be cool to see. Um, I never had one. I had a friend that had a Dakota, and he said he liked it. Um, and they were decent little trucks. They haven't made them in a while, so it's um, it's cool to see them bring them back. Um, so we'll see what they're like. Uh, this car is actually pretty cool. Actually, I've seen a Rallycross variant, and then I think a Drift variant. There are, I, th I think there's some other race variants of it, but those are the two coolest ones I've seen. But the 2023 Toyota GR Corolla. Uh, it's a hot hatch. Uh, it's wearing a GR badge. The badge stands for Gazoo Racing. Toyota's first sporty compact since the high-revving Corolla XRS from the mid-2000s. Um, the GR Corolla will also serve as an apology to Americans who are upset that we're not getting the awesome rally-inspired GR Yaris. Oh, yeah, that's right. That is a good-looking car. I don't know why they're not bringing it here. Uh, the GR Corolla should land in 2022 with a starting price of around $30,000. Um, 1.6 liter four-cylinder, turbocharged, 257 horsepower. That would probably be a really fun car to drive. The possibly uh, revival of the MR2. Uh, 2024 is what this story says. Um, they've kind of committed to the 86, though. It's kind of where they've been. Um, they introduced a new Supra. Could have both BMW, obviously. But next, Toyota's looking at resurrecting the midship. Uh, runabout two-seater known as the MR2. Unlike previous iterations of this mid-engine sports car, the new MR2 likely will be electrified. What? Uh, Toyota even previewed a possible sports car as part of its recent EV plans. Why would it be electrified? It kind of looks funky. It doesn't look anything like the original MR2. I know everybody's going electric. I understand why, but man, seems like too much. Um, that <laughs> this kind of looks cool. The 2024 Volkswagen ID Buzz Microbus is totally a concept. It would be really cool. Um, it's going to be EV, uh, offer around 200 horsepower in a rear wheel drive base form and 300 horsepower in a more expensive all wheel drive configuration. Uh, totally a concept at this point, but it looks cool. It'd be cool to see some of those back on the road. <laughs> I don't know. It'd just be funny to see. Uh, most of these electric vehicles aren't for sale yet, but are in various stages from concept to production, and perhaps a few may never see the light of day, obviously. We know that. Um, so that's it. That's uh, somewhat 2021 in review, what we can expect from 2022 and beyond, some of the cars that are coming in. Um, I'll leave links to these stories, the CES one. Uh, this car and driver one's called Future Cars Worth Waiting For. I'll link that one. And then the previous car and driver one that I was just on, uh, the, I think it was the one I started with. Uh, I can't remember exactly what it was. Uh, but I'll link them in there um, so you guys can take a look at them and, and look at more if you guys are interested in any of those. Um, like I say, every time, make sure you guys go follow me on Instagram at gasoline and caffeine pod. Um, let me know in there what you guys think, um, what you guys want to hear, what you guys want to see, if you guys want to see certain things. Um, I still haven't started a YouTube channel for this yet. Um, I would like to. That is something I want to get off the ground 
at some point, but um, I just don't have enough engagement quite yet to, to start adding that to my um, list of things to do every time that I record an episode and publish an episode. Um, it wouldn't be too hard. It's just it's just another thing to do. And if I don't have enough people listening to the, the podcast, I'm not going to try and um, add a whole video editing uh, portion to it. But if that's something you guys want to see, if I get enough people that would like to see that, um, then I can do it. It's something I can absolutely do. Um, so just find me on Instagram, like I said, Gasoline and Caffeine Pod, uh, on most major po- podcast platforms. Um, you can find me on there. Make sure you leave a like um, or follow, subscribe, whatever. If you can review, please review. I look at those or I try to look at them um, as much as I can. If there's anything, obviously, if there's nothing there, if there's nothing for me to look at. Um, but I would like you guys to leave reviews if you guys listen. Um, if you don't like what I'm doing, tell me. If you like what I'm doing, tell me. If there's certain aspects of it, tell me. If there's certain things you like or certain things you don't like, tell me. Um, I want to get this better, and I want this to be something that people enjoy and like to listen to and look forward to uh, when I do record and release, which is obviously not all the time, but I do do it as much as I can. Um, and I can't get better if nobody tells me what I'm doing wrong. So please, please tell me um, what you guys think. Um, the the easiest way for you guys to do that and for me to, to see them is Instagram. If you have an Instagram and you listen to this, uh, like I said, gasoline underscore and underscore caffeine underscore pod. Uh, all lowercase. Um, the, my logo from the podcast is on the, the uh, Instagram profile. So please um, don't hesitate to go on there and leave a comment, leave a like, send a message, whatever. Um, anything like that. So uh, thank you guys for listening today. Um, I apologize that it's been a couple of weeks since the last time I released an episode. Um, after getting done with all the 12-hour shifts at Amazon and everything, it kind of just uh, screwed me up. Plus, you know, the holidays in the last couple of weeks, um, all of that combined together, it kind of just messed me up. And I just didn't, either I forgot or I just didn't have the energy to do it. So luckily, everything's kind of going back to normal this week. So the first full week of January, um, work is going back to normal all of that so hopefully it'll be a little bit easier and i can do this more regularly again put more effort into it um it's hard to put a lot of energy into it you know working 12s every day so hopefully i can continue to do that and provide a better show for you guys uh so again thank you guys for listening um i'm gonna try and upload again at the end of next week um that was my goal from the beginning is to do it weekly um so we'll try and do that again if not like i said i apologize but i'm going to try to do it uh, but thank you guys for listening today um, to the 2021-2022 episode. Um, once I figure out what I'm going to do next week, I will post it on Instagram and you guys can leave comments and stuff as to what you think I should talk about within that subject, um, whatever it is, and I can make changes to my script as I go. That way I can um, make a script full of things that you guys would like to listen to within whatever subject I decide to do. Um, if you have an idea for something you guys want me to talk about that could that could possibly take up a whole show or most of a show, send me a message on Instagram. Let me know what it is and I can uh, get started on it. Um, so again, thank you guys. Uh, my name is Cameron. This has been the Gasoline and Caffeine Podcast. I will see you guys at the next one. <laughs>